I want to invite you to find Matthew chapter 16 in your Bible or in a pew Bible. Matthew chapter 16. So we want to trust Jesus with our life. And in order to do so, it's good to know what Jesus has said. And in Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 20, we hear something that he has said regarding the church, which is us. So if you would just follow along in your Bible or on the screen, uh, you can stay in your seats today. Just focus on Jesus' words and let them pour into your hearts and into your minds and into your, through your ears. Matthew chapter 16, beginning at verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth Shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Now, there is much to meditate on in this passage, uh, way more than we have time for this morning. But since we, for us, in a season in which several among us are spiritually growing and thriving like they never have before. In a season in which several among us have pulled out and left the church. In a season in which many people are being called to prayer like they've never prayed before. In this season in which many of us are aware of our weakness to bring about spiritual benefit in each other's lives more than ever before. And this momentous season in our church, and I do believe it is a momentous season for us. I feel like God is up to something among us. And I don't, you know, I'm Matt Broadway. I'm little and weak and feeble, and I don't understand fully what he's up to, but something is up among us, and many among the church feel it. Since we are in a very interesting time as a church, which, by the way, makes it near impossible to answer the question, how are things going with the church? We had dinner with um, some family that I haven't seen in a long time the other night, and that's always the question for me. Well, how are things going with the church? <sighs> I mean, it's so difficult to answer. There's so much going on among so many individuals. I think for us today, it would be very helpful to focus on verse 18. And within verse 18, I'd like to focus, zoom even more narrowly to what Jesus says to Peter. I will build my church. Peter responds rightly, identifying Jesus as the Christ, the son of the living God. And and Jesus is very excited about this. And he's happy. And he says, Peter, you're so blessed because no man, no flesh and blood could have revealed that to you. The father did. And I'll tell you another thing. 
Peter sounds like rock in that language. Peter's a play on words. Peter, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I really want to talk about why he said Peter on this rock. I really want to talk about the fact that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I may in future Sundays, but this Sunday I feel zeroed in on this one phrase. I will build my church. Jesus will build his church. So we're going to look at each precious word in this promise together. But before we do, let's pray again. And the reason we're praying is it's an opportunity for you to ask God to speak to you. And you're asking God to soften your heart and give you spiritual eyes that see past me and to spiritual realities and spiritual ears that hear beyond my voice to God's voice. So let's bow together. Let's ask him for those things together now. Father, please help us. Please give us ears that hear and eyes that see and hearts that receive your word. Lord, I ask that your, your church here would be strengthened deeply by what Jesus has to say. Help me to serve your people well. In Jesus' name, amen. So we will look at each word of this. Jesus will build his church. Jesus will build his church. And who is Jesus? Well, that's what he was wondering in the first part of this paragraph. He asks his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they, some of them, some people say, said that he was John the Baptist. Some of them said that he was Elijah. Some of them thought maybe he was Jeremiah. They thought maybe he was some great prophet from the past, reincarnated, resurrected. And people today have all different ideas of who Jesus is. Some people think of Jesus as a, a really great, compelling teacher. Some people think of Jesus as a really great moral example for how we should live. You know, those are, pro- you know, you see the crosses, cross necklaces on people who, you know, they're identifying with Jesus somehow, some way, but it doesn't seem to be always the Jesus of the scriptures. Some people think that Jesus is purely fictional. Some people think that Jesus was a politician that his followers just took the ball and ran with it really well and created a whole religion after him. Now, Peter strikes a nerve when he identifies Jesus as the Christ, meaning the Messiah, the one that Israel had been waiting for for generations and generations. He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. It all, everything starts here with your life, your new life in Christ, with us as a church. It all starts here. Who do we say that Jesus is? If Jesus is, you know, just an eject button right before we reach hell, we've missed it. That's not who Jesus is. If, if we think that Jesus is a buddy there for us in the bad times that we can call when we need a hand, We're missing it. That's not who Jesus is. Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the one way, the one truth, the one life, the son of the living God. It all starts there, correctly identifying who Jesus is. This Jesus will build his church. The head of the body, the head of the church, the cornerstone, the high priest, the chief shepherd, This Jesus is our senior pastor. 
You know, I'm not our senior pastor, really. Jesus is. We take our direction from Jesus. So this is the Jesus who ultimately will build his church. He is the general contractor for all this that we're trying to do together. He is the laborer. The hammer is in his calloused hands. The tool belt is on his hips. Jesus draws the plans, purchases the supplies, builds the church. Jesus will build his church. Now look at the second word. Jesus will build his church. Will like perked up when I said that. Will build his church. Jesus will build his church. Now, we all have experience with empty promises. We've been given empty promises. We've given out empty promises. A parent driving home with their child, and the child says, are are we there yet? And the parent says, we're almost there. Knowing full well that in that child's mind, that next 10 minutes, what it's really going to take is going to feel like five hours. Slowly, the kid's trust in that parent erodes over time, and they go off into a horrible lifestyle of drugs and debauchery because of, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you, you know what I mean? You throw out words. It's easy as a human to throw out words that can prove empty. And children do it to their parents too. You know, did you do that thing? I will. Well, when? You know, it's easy to say, I will. I'll do it and not do it. We, we give out empty promises when we don't know that we're giving out empty promises. In fact, I think you can make the argument that every promise from human lips is empty because we don't really know. A couple of weeks ago, I preached the last sermon in Romans and I made a promise to you. Do you remember what it was? I'm glad to see, huh? Okay, God is able, but I made a promise personally about myself. See how much it stuck in. It's probably good that you don't remember it, but I promised you that I will always preach Jesus Christ to you. I promised you that as long as you allow me to stay here, as God guides us all for me to be here, I will preach Jesus to you and no other Savior. Now, in my mind, I fully intend to fulfill that promise. There's nothing in my heart that ever thinks that I would not fulfill that promise, that I would preach any other Savior. But really, what do I know? I could, you know, getting into the church van to take the youth to camp this afternoon, I could smack my head. And it could cause some sort of brain damage in there that mixes me up. And I could preach who knows what. I could could, uh, have early onset of dementia or something. Something could happen to where I'm not in control of my faculties like I thought I would be when I made that promise. And I could come and and preach that I'm the Savior. Or, Or I could even get taken in by a false teacher. The Bible's constantly warning about false teaching. I think we're naive to think that we, we will not be in danger of falling into a false teacher. You know, I'm listening to podcasts and reading books all the time. I could get tricked. I could get sucked into some false teaching. And you know, I don't think that's going to happen. Lord forbid that happened. But I don't know the future. Therefore, any promise that I make is to some degree empty. Because I'm not in control of everything. I'm not sovereign over everything. Jesus is the only man who can make a completely full promise. He's the only one who knows. 
He's the only one who is all-powerful. So when Jesus says, I will build my church, he's not saying, I think I will. He's not saying, I'm pretty sure I'm going to build this thing. He's not saying, I really hope that I'm able to pull this off. He's not saying, I'm going to be devoted to trying to do this. Lord willing, it'll work out. He is the Lord. He is willing. It will work out. He will build his church. So a promise from Jesus's lips is, is not a promise. It's a fact. This isn't a promise. This is a fact. Jesus will build his church. Now let's look at the third word. Jesus will build his church. Jesus will build it. You know, my children go to school in Locust, and we turn right there where they just built a new family dollar store. Have you guys seen it? So every morning we'd go by and we'd see the progress. And we would all guess, what's it going to be? You know, we didn't know what it was. So we'd see them clearing the land, and I'd say, kids, they're going to be building something there. Well, what's it going to be? Well, I don't know. And we'd go by, and slowly we'd see the foundation, you know, being poured after they cleared it. We'd see all the trucks, the plumbers, electricians, the structure begins to, to take shape. The doors, the windows, the roofers are working. It's, we're waiting to see what's it going to be over time. It comes together. That's how things get built. And Jesus says he will build his church. You know, he spoke creation into existence. And it was. And he could speak his church into existence. And it be perfect church. But his process with the church isn't speak it into full-fledged full existence. It's build it over time. So church, which is us, the people, is a building process. Now, we don't know yet what this is going to be like. Just like we didn't know that, that was going to be a family dollar, which I have to say was disappointing. <laughs> we don't know yet. It's not perfect yet. This is a construction zone. To be a part of a church, you really need a spiritual hard hat because... We drop the ball, we mess up, we're, we're in progress. We are not perfect, we will not be until the project is complete, the building is done. When Christ returns and consummates and, and brings it all together. So it's okay. The mess is okay. The mess is the process of Jesus building his church. We, we should not expect immediacy with church matters. We should expect process. We should expect there to always be messy Christians in the church. And I've heard another pastor, I think it was Matt Chandler, maybe he probably heard it from somebody else too, but it's like a growing family. You know, some of you who were a part of a family that had a lot of kids, there was always somebody in diapers. There was always somebody still crying. There was always somebody still a baby. So there was always that baby mess. And then once that kid was growing up, the parents had another baby. And then so there are more diapers. And that's the way the church should, should be. There should always be a mess of immature Christians. And then as they grow up, new Christians are birthed into the fold. And so are we okay with a mess? 
Okay, because this is a church and it's a building project. It's not a museum or it's nothing perfect. Jesus is perfect. So we have that going for us, but we are far from perfect. Okay, so the next word, Jesus will build his church. Jesus will build his church. Whose house do you care the most about? Whose house have you maintained the most? Whose house have you cleaned the most? Probably your house. You probably put the most of your heart into maintaining, keeping your house working. See, the church is Jesus's. It's Jesus's church. He cares about his church. The same way you care about your place. He cares about his church. I love how much many of you care about the church and our local church. And I love even more the fact that Jesus cares even more because it's his. He died for it. He bought it. Ephesians says that the church is like his bride and like his body. The last word, Jesus will build his church. What Jesus is committed to building is his church. Church is a surprisingly evasive idea. Do you know, I listen to all these church leadership conferences. Do you know they're still trying to figure out what the church is? Books are still coming out trying to define the church. What is the church? What's the church supposed to be doing? You would think that we would have it down by now. At its core, the church is the assembly of, of, it's an assembly of called out ones. It's a gathering, an assembly of people who are called out to be Christ's own. Emphasis on the people part. The church is the people. And I don't have to go back into all that. We've talked about that a lot. But the church isn't the building. Here I go talking about it right after I said I don't have to talk about it. But it, it, it's important to remember. It's not the building. It's not the programs. It's not the activities. It's not the name. All that could be wiped away. We still remain. We are the church. And the church is global. It's all the Christians across the world. The church is historical as all the Christians who've ever lived are in the church. The church is local. It's, it's gathered bodies of believers like us and like Arlington and like Bethel and like all the other local gatherings of Christians. All, all those local gatherings of Christians all comprise the church. This is what he's building. So since the church is a people... This means that when Jesus builds the church, he's building people, right? Since the church is the people, when Jesus builds his church, he builds people. Listen to 1 Peter 2, 4 and 5. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We're like living stones. So when you become a Christian and he then puts you in the church proper, you're like a living stone. 
And he places us on top of one another and he builds these stones up and he puts them with other stones and he, he's building this living, breathing, miracle structure of the church. Now this has several implications. This means when we pray for Doolin's Grove and we are praying for Doolin's Grove, God is moving among us to draw us to pray. When we pray for Doolin's Grove, if he is gracious and answers those prayers, if we pray for God to build us up, he's going to build up you and he's going to build up me. Doolin's Grove changes as our hearts and lives change. I always want to keep this in front of you because it's easy to think of Doolin's Grove as some impersonal entity out there that we can kind of walk around and look at from the outside and, and tweak. But that's a hologram. That, that is an illusion. Doolin's Grove is right here. Doolin's Grove is these people beside you and in front of you and behind you. So this means if we, you know, we're lacking in a lot of ways as a church. That's why many folks have pulled out. You know, we need to figure out how to facilitate real rich fellowship among us. We do. And I do think that we need to, Rodney and I were just talking about it. I do think that we do need to figure out how to facilitate that and, and bring us together more in different ways as people to interact and get to know each other. But as we pray that God would help us in the area of fellowship, if he answers that prayer, probably what he's going to do is transform us into deeper fellowshippers. If, if we see that we're lacking in our prayer ministry and we pray for God to help us in that, probably what he's going to do is transform us into prayers. People who love, long to fellowship. People who love and long to pray. And I see that happening. Do you, have you all seen it? It is happening. And it's really exciting. And I read recently, yeah, I, like I told you last week, I'm just searching the scripture about the church, you know, just like everybody else, trying to make sure I understand what this thing is. Yeah, I'm supposed to be leading this. I need to know what it is. So I'm back in the scripture. I'm trying to make sure I understand. And I'm reading Acts chapter 2. Verses 42 through 47, this beautiful description of the early church. Listen to what it says. This is right after the Holy Spirit came in and just blew up the church with power and people were coming to Christ by the thousands. And it says, and they devoted themselves, the Christians, the church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Doesn't that sound good? Man, I want us to look more and more and more like that. And I do think it's happening. I do think that building project is happening. But as you read that, what stands out to me is that they were devoted to these things. The people were devoted to these things. It's not so much that they were, they were guided into them 
you know, by the church leadership, they were, they longed for these things. They loved these things. They, they were moment by moment from their hearts devoted to pursuing fellowship and the prayers and the attending the temple and the eating together and the spending time together. They, this is what they were reprogrammed for as the church. Jesus will build his church. Jesus is building his church. The Christ, the son of the living God, will see this project along. Satan, sin, human frailty, human foolishness, distractions of our age, terrorism, Nothing can stop this. So I want to invite us now in light of these things to look to him, to rest in him in this promise, this fact. To allow him to build us as individuals, to allow him to use us as living stones in the building project, building each other up. I'm so excited about what I see happening among us. I know... It can, it can not, it can be discouraging. You know, people have left. People are struggling. We are far from perfect. There's a lot of negative. But I, I want you to know that from my perspective as your pastor, I am so excited about what's happening. I'm so excited about the, the ladies book group praying together. And I'm so excited about our last deacons meeting, the way we prayed together. And uh, what I heard from Ron's house to house group last time, how they prayed together and the one that meets here and what I see happening among the youth group. You know, usually baptism is the public proclamation of these things, but I want to go ahead and tell you about it anyway. Um, after church last Sunday, someone gave their life to Christ. Sitting right over there, his name's Dawson. He didn't know I was going to point him out in the middle of the service. You know, we, we prayed together right there in the lobby and he gave his life to Christ. And another guy in the youth out on the, um, the sidewalk out there Wednesday night after youth, Gave his life to Christ, and it was beautiful. See, the Lord adds to our number. He's doing it right now. To quote Lillian, uh, this is one of the favorite moments from vacation. I need to draw to a close, but she was walking with David up a path, and she's just, you know, she's all bubbly, and she's just sunshine everywhere she goes. And she said, Papa, I just love walking with you, and we're doing it right now. Like we, we miss what's happening right now. We're longing for all this stuff in the future, but you know, church, we're doing it right now. It's already happening. You're doing it when, when you invite somebody to come with you to lunch and you guys share what's, what the Lord's doing in your life and you rejoice in that together and you bond on that level. That's, you're, it's happened. Jesus is doing it right now. You know, when we pray together at the end of the service, we're doing it right now. We don't have to wait to figure everything out. And we don't have to worry that it's not going to work out. It's, it's working out right now. This is it. Which is really encouraging. So let's pray to Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus, thank you that you are committed to building your church. And thank you for placing us like living stones in it. None of us deserves that. Or we confess before you that we do not 
know enough. We are not strong enough. We do not have the spiritual power to save souls, to add new believers to the church, to bring people up in the faith. But you do. And we will, with all the power you have entrusted to us, we will be those living stones. Would I rejoice in seeing you build the church across the world and through history and how it's developing. And I rejoice in seeing what you're doing here among this, this people. Or may it continue. May our hearts be encouraged. Thank you that you're building your church. In Jesus' name, amen.